Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Pastor Seth Trout writes this. For Christians to thrive in the modern era, there are two spiritual disciplines we have to adopt. Number one is what he calls digital detox. That's fasting from screens. And number two is something that, uh, I don't know if it's original with him, but I really like the way uh, he's framed this out. He calls fasting from information intentional ignorance. Yes. This is really deep and thoughtful. And if we take the advice, it will change how we do everything. Hey, Seth, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. When it comes to uh, detoxing or fasting from our screens, have you done this in your own life? And how has that gone for you? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's important to understand how addictive by design uh, the screens are. It's like the slot machine effect at uh, uh, in casinos that we get these dopamine hooks. And so we instinctively flinch to, especially like our smartphone screens more than anything else. And it functions like a pacifier or an umbilical cord. And so when you, on purpose, keep your phone off in your pocket or leave it at home when you're on date night, uh, you notice the how often you flinch to the screen rather than be observant and present to the world you're in. And so when I practice this, like in the mornings, I try to not look at my smartphone for at least the first 10 minutes that I'm awake and try to just be in the scriptures. And it is a weird sensation to feel like your phone is calling to you uh, Check me, check me, check me. Yes, and it's it's frankly embarrassing the power of habit that we have of how often we go to our phone and every moment of silence, every moment of quiet, and uh, the the language that I use, which uh, resonates with a lot of folks nowadays, is that it Silicon Valley is trying to colonize your attention, and mm, well you put. have to resist it, or you will be colonized by Silicon Valley. And it's their job to make money, so I don't, I'm not mad at them for it, but it's my job to put boundaries on their ability to make money off my attention. You know, right. part of the challenge for many of us who actually have our, you know, there's so many great Bible apps out there, and maybe we wake up and the first thing we do is we grab our phone and we go to Uversion or whatever Bible app we have. We have our devotions on our phone. Um, as opposed to grabbing a physical copy of the Bible. Um, again, we don't want to be legalists with this, but we're trying to just lay it out here, you know, what is helpful. What's helpful for me may not be helpful for somebody else, but I can tell you this, I love physical books anyway, but if if I'm on my phone with my Bible app, there's so much temptation to check email and go other places with all these other apps, check the news, etc., so for me, that just doesn't work. I have to put it aside. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's You t- tend to pick up your phone for a good reason a lot of the time. But the next thing you know, you're three minutes into a doom scroll on, on X or Instagram, and you're going, what am I doing here? And then especially I have two little kids, and how often I find myself not like playing or engaging with them because – Someone texted me, and it was not an emergency, but my nervous system reacted to the notification, like, oh, I got to find out. But the next thing you know, you're, you're kind of down the hole, uh, stuck on your phone while your kids are trying to play or your wife's talking to you. And so I think some of the most basic ways of practicing digital detox is just by having a place in your house where you put your phone and leave it there. 
And if your phone rings, you can just stand up and walk over to it, and that's okay. That that used to be how it always worked, and now we expect, well, I'm not going to get off the couch to go answer the phone. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So doing that, but then I – it twice a year do like a longer digital detox. One's more like spiritual in nature, like a fast from everything, three days thing, try to pray and uh, practice silence and solitude like the old school monks do. Um, and that's excruciating, but I think it's helpful to try to meet with the Lord and some of those ways. What, what is it like? Just, what, what, hang on a second how before do you, you continue. Do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us more about that and what is the end result of that? I mean, you push through, you get through. How do you feel afterwards? Uh, well, it's like you know, the Psalms talk about be still and know that I'm God. And there's just a great tradition within the church of this fasting and praying thing. And I think modern technology requires that you add some digital detox to that. So um, it requires ahead of time administration with my wife and with my, uh, you know, the elders at my church that I help lead just to kind of say, hey, I'm going to be out trying to just enlarge my soul through prayer, connecting with God. And sometimes you come back and you feel like, man, I really feel like I met with the Lord and had a mountaintop thing. And sometimes you come back and you go, well, I did that. And <laughs> I created the space to meet with the Lord and nothing really happened. And now I'm just hungry and, and I have to catch up on stuff. So sometimes it's, you kind of create the space for God to meet with you. And sometimes something really meaningful happens. And sometimes you uh, practice a discipline and it was nice. It's similar but you to like stay having home? a home? No, I'll I'll usually find an Airbnb for mm-hmm. cheap somewhere and spend you know, you save money on food when you're fasting, so you can Airbnb <laughs> on, on, on yeah, that. That's, that's a very good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or, or even my yeah. my grandma has a cabin up in the woods that we'll go to or something like that. But it's sort of like you go on a date night with your wife and sometimes it's like, Wow, what a rich time of connection and sometimes it was like uh, that was nice, but we didn't really move the ball forward, and that's okay. But you kind of create the space to uh, connect, and not every day night needs to be a mind-blowing conversation over dinner. Sometimes yeah. it's just nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it's never a wrong decision, or it's never unwise to spend time in God's Word, in His presence. We may come away from this feeling like, you know, like you just described there. Maybe there really wasn't a lot that I gleaned from this. But I think there's something going on in our spirits, in our minds, in our souls. Every time we spend time with God, it's never, ever wasted time. Yeah. And so some of the digital detox that I do is explicitly God-oriented, and some of it is explicitly family-oriented. Like, I'm just going to try to be hyper-present to my wife and kids for a couple of days and be unable – I'll have my phone off. And, you know, people will know that, like, hey, here's where I am and here's how you get a hold of me if someone – some serious emergency happens. But most of the time, uh, those like, those serious emergencies never happen, and we end up treating our phones like this umbilical cord. I could never let it go because what if, when in reality those types of emergencies almost never happen – and they end up shortchanging our ability to be uh, playful with their wife and kids because the the notifications are are dinging off. So it's not always hyper spiritual. Sometimes it's just hyper family orientation. Yeah. And uh, my kids are four and two, and so you're just digging on the sand at the beach and doing one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, and there's something spiritual nature to that, you know, as Jesus told us to become like children or you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And the easiest way to become like children is to be with children and play with them. And so it's not explicitly spiritual, but it's kind of downstream spiritual. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Kate, you and I were uh, talking about this part of the article a second ago, uh, where Seth writes this, being chronically connected to the Internet tempts us to be like God in fresh and terrifying ways. All right, Seth, lay it out for us. (laughs) What do you mean by this? Yeah, well, Christians have historically understood uh, the ways that we are supposed to be like God as God's communicable attributes. You know, God is loving, we are supposed to be loving. But then there's these other category of God's attributes called His incommunicable attributes, the ways that we're not supposed to try to be like Him, and we can't. Like His omnipresence, His ability to be everywhere, and His omniscience, His ability to know everything. And when you have 5G internet in your pocket, you can at all times, know and see and hear what is going on across the entire globe. And this is not good for our mental health. It's not good for our spirituality. And it's not good for our capacity to love the people who are right next to us. That at some point, this is like technically true, there's always the most interesting thing happening in the world, somewhere in the world. And almost never is it right in front of you. And so the ability to look past people who are right next to you, to something more interesting that's happening in China or Australia or South Africa or Texas is always there. And so the the capacity to try to be like God and be present to what's happening in the whole world all the time destroys our capacity to love, and it is just part of what's contributing to the chronic mental health crisis, especially in young people, uh, our anxiety and depression, because there's always Mm. something to be nervous about sad about in the whole world. And uh, we're not meant to carry all of that. Our nervous systems are not designed by God to carry all of that. And our phones tempt us to want to try to carry all of that. So basically, the the digital detox and uh, intentional ignorance, obviously, these two things go together. It's like, okay, I am, you know, I don't need to know everything. Because like you just said, it's overwhelming. For those of us who love news, yeah, we love to uh, chase the news. I guess we could call ourselves news hounds. No, we're addicted <laughs> to news. Uh, it's it's very difficult because we, we're newsies. We, we like to know what's going on, et cetera. But we make that intentional decision. Okay, well, you know what? I, I don't need to know about everything, everything about everything. And that's okay. And so intentional ignorance is saying, okay, I got to draw the line somewhere. And it has to be uh, in a healthy, well, the line needs to be drawn in a healthy place. But that, would you say that that is different for each and every one of us? Yeah, I think we need to be honest with ourselves about how problematic our practices can be. I do think a, a healthy evaluation tool is like, and what am I really eager to find out? If I'm more eager to find out the latest headline than I am to find out about what my kid's day was like at school, or if I'm more eager to know what's happening uh, at the United Nations than what's happening in my neighborhood HOA with my neighbors involved, some of that can reveal like misplaced uh, affection or even like unhealthy avoidance, right? Like it's reading a headline is easier than reading your spouse and your kids. 
And so mm-hmm. some of it can be yeah. a form of laziness yeah. that acquires more of me to get to know the people who live on my street than the, than it takes from me to get to know what's happening in North Korea. Cause it's, it's like information without emotional, uh, requirement. And so it's kind of like, a, like in terms of like sexuality, I don't want to make this like overly explicit, but you think about like pornography is lazy because it doesn't require anything of me. And to some degree, information can become like that. It's, it's, uh, it's the same fake uh, human connection that is ultimately sinful because it, it hurts the people that are closest to us. Yeah. I love how you were talking about um, flirting with omnipresence and omniscience and stuff because it's that's God's territory, and part of that is um, God's discernment is flawless and ours is completely flawed, so we just get more garbage in us than uh, truth. Yes, yeah. There's uh, the other thing too is just understand that the, the most journalists their job is to get clicks and eyes. We live in the attention economy. And so uh, it's it's a minority of uh, media creators who like the main goal is to really serve. And it ends up being the type of uh, folks that need to uh, ask for donations because it, it doesn't have the clickbaity stuff going on. And yeah. so uh, I, I think just trying to ask the question, like who is actually existing so that I can be a better follower of Jesus, that I can be a better human and made in the likeness and image of God versus who is trying to uh, just colonize my attention span. And I think trying to be clear with ourselves, because this is the type of thing where it's easiest to lie to yourself than it is to lie to somebody else. And all forms of addiction tend to function that way, whether it's information addiction, whether it's screen addiction, or it's opiate addiction. We, we lie to ourselves, uh, a lot easier than we lie to other people and trying to look in the mirror and ask, is this helping me walk in love as a follower of Jesus to the people whom he sent me? Or am I too caught up in the culture war that I actually have no power in, et cetera. And, and I think some of those self-reflective questions aren't really, we can't really even answer them well until we, you know, pull the pacifier out and, uh, have quiet space to reflect uh, with the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us see the truth about ourselves. So we've got digital detox, intentional ignorance. Let's talk about the proximity principle. And for that, you go directly to the parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. Let's connect the dots. Yeah. So the Good Samaritan is a story. You know, the, the guy asked Jesus, Uh, well, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story and there's a guy who gets beat up and robbed and left for dead basically. And then the priest and the Levite walk on the path, see him and keep going, presumably because there's something more important somewhere else that they need need to attend to. But then this good Samaritan comes up and he sees, has compassion and then acts. And so part of what is so condemning uh, for the priest and the Levite who see the man and keep walking is that they were right there. They're proximate to the problem and they had the ability to do something about the problem and they still kept walking. Whereas the good Samaritan has the proximity and the ability and he does something. And so one of the filters we have to ask when it comes to uh, thinking through our own responsibility in the world is where do I have proximity and where do I have ability. Because if we fill our minds with problems 
that we have no proximity to and no ability to do anything about it, uh, we actually increase just our anxiety or our anger without actually acting in love. And so Mm, can I do something about this? And is it something I'm proximate to? And, you know, if you're a billionaire, your ability, your ability to get proximate and your ability is just more like you're, you have more power. And so, but I, my guess is most of us uh, are not billionaires who are in this discussion right now. And so we have to be really clear about what, where am I proximate and where do I have ability? Because if I fill my mind with a bunch of non-proximate, non-able stuff, I'm either going to become an angry or an anxious person or most likely both. Okay, we like bullet points, Seth, around here. We like uh, truth with handles that we can take with us into the day. So let's land the plane here. Uh, I'd love for you to outline how to practice digital detox as a review, kind of some some points, and then we'll talk about how to practice intentional ignorance. So it's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, digital detox is mostly having a plan to have phone-free, screen-free time where you can be present to your loved ones and the Lord. And so for me, that is the last hour before bed and the first 10 minutes of every day. And then once a month, I plan a phone-free day. And I think uh, like every 40 days or so, where you just have a day where you don't turn your phone on and you just go to the park and you walk around and you hang out with your family and kids or you go to the gym and you just have to deal with the silence of your mind. So if you're looking somewhere to start, I think beginning of the day, end of the day, and a once a month extended period for 12 hours or so, be all the way without your phone and just notice how you feel, notice how you pray, notice how uncomfortable it is, and be present to the Lord in that tension. That's the best place to start digital detox. Got it. And he also outlines weekly, monthly, annually, uh, so this is in the article. Like I said, we're just scratching the surface. So how about some bullet points how to practice intentional ignorance? Intentional ignorance, I think, is once a day at least something that you're going to Google and find out or type into chat, B- chat GPT and find out. Just decide to not find that out. Um, like, did you guys hear about that crazy thing that happened in North Korea yesterday? Wanting to know that and then saying, I guess I'm just going to not find that out and trust that the Lord can handle information because I'm going to choose not to fill my mind with information where I don't have proximity or ability. So some of it can be like big picture stuff, small picture stuff, but it's just that basic choice. So that's one thing is I, and then in that moment where I choose not to Google something, I just try to remind myself and I pray, Lord, thank you for being omniscient so I don't have to be. And then the other thing that I do is I don't check Facebook stories or Instagram stories because I just don't want to know what everyone was doing the last 24 hours. I don't think it's good for me. I don't think it's good for them, for them to want me to know that. And so I just kind of stay off of that and try to just only find out people's major life updates and not figure out what they did yesterday at their workout or for lunch. Uh, And I just choose not to care about what people did in the last 24 hours. And that helps me uh, be less uh, stuck to social media, and it helps me fill my mind with more of what's going on right in my life. Seth Trout is the teaching pastor of Ironwood Church in Mesa, Arizona, in the Phoenix area. Digital detox, intentional ignorance, and the proximity principle. Uh, This article is a must-read. It really is. Seth, thanks for being with us. Blessings to you. We'd love to have you back at some point. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Curtin Gate Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.